we've got another episode for you this week. Please like, share, subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And I hope that you enjoy this week's conversation. This episode will consist of topics around domestic abuse, domestic violence and sexual violence. If you require any support or help, please get in contact with your local domestic abuse, sexual violence organisation. In the UK, you can call the National Domestic Helpline on 0808 And if you are listening overseas, please contact your national helpline where support, advice and guidance will be available for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of a in the conversation with series. Um, I hope you're well. Thank you for joining me again. Um, I have really appreciated you reaching out. Um, I am so thankful that you are listening and that you are getting, hopefully, some use out of these bite-sized snippet little conversation that I'm having with you around domestic abuse. So I've already done like um, a intro about trigger warnings, but this one I'm going to um, put a trigger warning right at the beginning of before we speak. And that trigger warning is that we are going to explore an area that makes us very uncomfortable to talk about as a nation anyway. Um, But anybody that has experienced this may feel very triggered by this episode. So for for the purposes, spoilers, disclaimers, whatever word that you want to use, we are going to be talking about sex, we are going to be talking about contraception, we're going to be talking about terminations, we're going to be talking about miscarriage. So any of those triggers, be warned, either listen to this episode with a friend, a trusted colleague, don't listen at all, that's absolutely fine. Um, But I really want to shed a light on an abuse that um, not many know about, let alone speak about, um, but actually affects quite a number of us. And that is reproductive coercion. Well, what does that look like and what does that actually actually mean well reproductive coercion is about somebody having bodily autonomy over another so that could be forcing a partner to have a termination it could be wearing wearing contraception not wearing contraception um and basically that person that body is no longer their own because it's being controlled by another bow, uh, by another person. So it is so common that one in seven women have experienced some form of reproductive coercion. That's shocking. That's shocking that so many of us that we might not even realise have been a victim of reproductive coercion at some point in our sexual life. 
We know that domestic violence is a huge issue. Um, we, we know, you know, data, statistics, research, women's aid will inform us that domestic abuse is a very gendered crime. We know that men can be victims of sexual abuse, domestic violence, can also be a victim of reproductive coercion. Um, but our data suggests that it is still a very gendered crime because the way that men and women will experience domestic abuse and suffer will have different strands towards it. Um, so, for example, women we know are more likely to be subjected to uh, much higher levels of coercive and controlling behaviour as well as experiencing higher levels of fear. So between March 2020 and Mar ending March 2021, which was, um, you know, quite a significant period of time because in April 2021, we were looking at uh, the pandemic and COVID. So these figures are pre-pandemic. Um, once those figures post-pandemic come out, um, it'd be really interesting to see the uh, increase, the percentage increase of domestic violence within that period. But anyway, ending March 2021, there was approximately 369,000 domestic violence incidents that were recorded by the police in England and Wales. Now, a disclaimer here, um, I believe that that figure is relatively low. And the reason why is because domestic violence is still um, a very hidden crime. So we know that domestic violence and sexual violence is underreported. So, so, so that figure of 369,000 incidents, I would suggest that it would probably be much, much higher um, because people don't often report. So what is reproductive coercion? Well, reproductive coercion is a form, a type of sexual violence integrated with the domestic abuse, which is often harder to recognise and much harder to speak about. How comfortable are we as a nation, as a person, to talk about sex we live in a really highly sexualized society. Our children are subjected to sexual images much, much earlier. And we know that we've got a huge issue with pornography in this country. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, how comfortable are you talking about sex? Because it's proper cringe. Women who have to go for smears, that's not an enjoyable experience it's embarrassing. We don't want to be talking about embarrassing parts of our body and sex is part of that, which is why it's harder to recognise because we don't want to talk about our sex lives. It doesn't make us feel comfortable. But that doesn't mean that that abuse is any less serious because we're not talking about it. In fact, you know, it's up there with very, very serious consequences and it can have 
a detrimental effect on another person's life. Um, so one in seven, that's quite a high number, one in seven women would have experienced coercion over their reproductive autonomy, meaning that they have felt pressured into having a baby or having a termination, having sex without a condom, having a condom removed covertly uh, through sexual activity, through consensual sex, um, that's, that, um, that has been taken away, that choice has been taken away from, from one party. Um, we have had a number of like celebrities joking about the control that they have over their, their celebrity partner. So for example, Pete Davidson, who was the partner of Ariana Grande, was on a national TV program joking about how he was swapping his girlfriend's contraception for Tic Tacs, you know, making light of it and having a joke on national TV. I don't think personally that there is anything funny or anything to be mocking about um, removing somebody's sexual choices. We Britney Spears, like be a fan or not, but she is been in our media for some time over the conservatorship that she had with her father. And one of the things that she had within her court papers was that her father was not allowing her to remove her contraceptive, meaning that he was forcing her to not have a pregnancy um, and was controlling her, her choices about her reproductive autonomy um just on a side note before like anyone like sends me any lawyers you know her father has not responded to that accusation and um released a statement via his lawyer um saying you know or at least saying that his sorry his daughter was suffering but Nonetheless, that is a form of reproductive coercion. Um, it's interesting to note that young women and members of different ethnic minority groupings are who are already vulnerable are more likely to be a victim of this form of domestic abuse. Be that this is your first sexual relationship, for example. You're really, 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 really in love with your male partner and your male partner's like, babe, I want to have sex without condom. It feels so much nicer. I just want to feel all of you. And that woman trusting and believing that actually he is 100% devoted to her, that he knows what he's talking about. She's inexperienced. She trusts that he hasn't had any other sexual partners because he's told her so. And she trusts that he doesn't have any STIs because he's told her so. Now, hear the sarcasm drip out of my voice at that suggestion. <laughs> um, it does. It is a really murky, grey place between 
the known elements of what we think we know about abuse, such as we know what physical abuse can look like and we know what verbal abuse can look like. But actually, what is coercion of the reproductive body? It can be really, really subtle. And therefore, it can be it can be mis- uh what's the word i'm looking for it can be misplaced um as dangerous in our minds but it really really isn't if you are having consensual sex and then your partner removes their condom halfway through sex and you're unaware of that and then you end up pregnant forcing you to be making some really hard decisions about what you want to do with that pregnancy or that you have contracted, you know, a sexual transmitted disease such as chlamydia, gonorrhea and fatally, you know, have much, much, much bigger consequences on 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 life, um, you know, forcing people into medication daily, contracting AIDS or HIV. There are cases where where people are deliberately, you know, spreading diseases um, to another person. So it we have to start recognising this reproductive coercion as a really f- dangerous form of abuse. Um, you know, it it is really important that we shine a light and we educate about this particular issue, which is why I'm dedicating this episode to the subject, because we don't know it, we don't talk about it. Um, We know it as domestic abuse advocates, like, you know, we talk about it with our our clients, you know, we explore some, you know, we, we explore all elements of what has happened to that person to be able to support them. But how often do you hear about reproductive coercion as a serious issue and not celebrities going on national TV and joking about how they're removing their partner's contraception? And then putting a caveat to that going, well, she can't go anywhere if she falls pregnant. Mm. <laughs> really? So what is it like? And, and I know we keep on saying that kind of terminology, but I think that it's really important that we know and we understand and that if you get anything out of this episode, that you have a definition of what it actually is and basically I would define it as a person who doesn't have any control over their own reproductive health and therefore not able to make their own choices so people can be coerced into um kind of not having contraception or having terminations because it can be as simple as lying we know we know that you know there are incidents instances where you know somebody has told their partner that they are on contraception and that turns out not to be the case so so we you know we have to acknowledge that people can lie about their contraception they can also lie about sabotaging contraception no babe i didn't take out the condom when we were having sex 
Um, no, I didn't prick holes in the condom at all. That isn't what I did. Um, it it can include forcing somebody to continue with a pregnancy that they do not want at that time, or even pressuring someone into having a termination. Um, a partner may lie about their own attempts at contraception. So, for example, a male could lie that they've had a vasectomy when they haven't. Um, they can um, purposely fail to withdraw during sex. I think, you know, I'm not a sex educator, but I think that, you know, we have to also acknowledge that just because somebody is withdrawn at the point of climax doesn't mean that you are free from a pregnancy. Um, like I've already mentioned about removing contraception devices, you know, removing condoms, removing coils, um, taking away the pill, flushing the pill down the toilet, for example. Um, we, and, 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 you know, horrifyingly, there have been cases of perpetrators uh, uh, deliberately spiking their partner's food or drink to force um, a termination or miscarriage. Um, I've already talked about, you know, removing a condom without consent. Well, that has an actual term and that is called stealthing. And that is a uh, law under, in this country at least, in the UK, where a partner can covertly, covertly remove their condom without consent. Um, this is considered, and it's very important that you know that this can be considered to be a form of rape. And I'm pausing for deliberate effect because how many times has that happened? Um, it can also include examples which are very subtle about a partner being controlled about a fertility act, for example, or pressuring you not to use contraception for their own wants or needs. I've already given you the example of the person that is totally in love with her partner and her partner is using that 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 coercive language in in order for her to have sex with him for without a condom for his own pleasure, not caring about the consequences that that may have on her. So I think it's really important that we have to understand that the signs of reproductive coercion are often very much grounded in the partner taking power and control over somebody else's choices, which feeds into that domestic abuse narrative, where we know that domestic abuse is not always just about the physical or the sexual violence. It is about um, having more power over another person. And that is the same for the reproductive coercion. It, it 
doesn't just have to be a partner who can act in that way that is coercive. It can be family members who gave the example of Britney Spears, for example. Um, it can be friends who are acting in a manipulative or threatening way to, to towards somebody's pregnancy or um, have very strong views about somebody's termination or their decision to conceive or not to conceive, that can also count as reproductive coercion. Another key example of that reproductive coercion is being subjected to abusive or m manipulative behaviour outside a termination clinic, for example. Um, protest pro we we've seen it where protesters have been known to shout verbal abuse, um, try and physically um, restrain somebody, um, forcing somebody to change their mind about a choice that they have had to think long and hard about. And that would not be an easy choice um, or a, an easy decision to make. So that emotive, distressing, aggressive behaviour is definitely a sign of reproductive coercion. Um, it's important to note that Reproductive coercion is illegal in the UK. It was um, made illegal, so it's part, it's part of a set of laws in this country, and that would come under the coercive controlling uh, law within this country that came into effect in, De in December, I want to say 2015. Um, but it is important to note that there haven't been many prosecutions um, from the CPS for those that have been accused of it. But that would feed into the much wider discussion and much wider debate about the number of uh, sexual assault and rape cases that are, one, being sent to CPS and two, managed to go to court. Um, I think that there needs to be much wider discussions around um, the criminal justice system and uh, victims of sexual behaviour per se. So that isn't necessarily a surprise. However, that shouldn't stop you from talking to your trusted colleague, reporting it as such, of as a crime um, to the police and to other authorities where necessary. Um, where we go back to the stealthing, where somebody has removed their condom, there has been a prosecution um, in the UK uh, for stealthing. Um, but we we do need we I I as a as a DA advocate we. we we need to stress that there needs to be more prosecutions and that lies with the police to investigate and the CPS to charge. Um, and, um, to, and I think that by having this podcast, by other um, agencies talking openly about reproductive coercion, it will make victims feel much, much safer um, where they may want to report um, the more that it reports, the more crimes that are recorded, the more that um, evidence there is um, that there that this is an issue. Um, hopefully, the more that we will see um, more more convictions of that. Um, so, how can we recognise reproductive coercion in other people's relationships and even our own relationships? Because 
often it can be very subtle behaviour, as I said. Well, if something doesn't feel right, it's not right. That is my first go-to. Um, we we do not, at times, listen to our third brain and our third brain is our gut instinct. We get it. We get it. We get that niggle. We get that uh, alarm system kind of igniting within our own bodies. But that is the 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 one brain that we tend to ignore more. And actually, it's the one brain that tends to be right nine times out of ten. So if something isn't right or it doesn't feel right, it's often not right. So if you think you your partner or someone else in your life is committing acts of reproductive coercion where you no longer have the choice over your body or your reproductive health, it may be, um, it, it could look like um, somebody trying to isolate you from your friends or family, which is the same um, within the domestic abuse. If somebody without the reproductive, it's the same. It's the same signs. Um, it's the same signs as somebody trying to tell you how should how things should be, how they should be done. Um, it can be as obvious as telling you what contraception you should or you should not be using. Um, they may take control of when you want to get pregnant or causing you guilt and 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 um, making you feel a certain way about your decisions. Um, look for the signs of, well, if you love me, you'll let me do it. <laughs> You know, if somebody is saying that, then that is a red flag. Like, you know, um, if you'll love me, you'll do this. And that goes for consent as well. If you've said no, your no should be your no and your yes should be your yes. And it doesn't matter um, if, you know, you, uh, you're you enjoying the intimacy and you're enjoying the, the, the foreplay, so to speak, but actually you can change your mind at any point. And just because you've ended up kissing somebody or you've, you know, groped each other or whatever it may be, if you do not want to have sex and you say no, then that is your no. Um, and those, those um, signs of, well, if you love me, we'll just carry on. Or if you are under the influence of alcohol or drugs and you're not able to consent, then that is a form of coercion um, because you're not able to consent, which is a crime in this country. Um, you have to be able to give consent. Um, and if you're not, if you don't have the capacity to, to give consent, then that is a crime. Um, so, so be careful. So, look out for that sign. Look out for those people that are being manipulative. Um, you know, and saying it's okay, it's fine. Um, you know, it's not fine. If you don't want to do that, then it's not fine. And actually, that person needs to respect your autonomy. You know, sex is supposed to be something that is enjoyed. Like, you know, it is not a duty. You know, um, it is not a chore. It's supposed to be about two people coming together and having that moment of closeness. It's not about this, like, well, you're going to have sex with me because it's my right to do so. Well, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, if I don't want to have sex with you, then I'm not going to have sex with you. End of. Like, I don't need that, that we don't need to be having further discussions. So, um, you know, 
if you feel, you know, that um, if you feel that you don't or are unable to have those um, choices, um, you know, talk to somebody. You might not even realise and this podcast might be bringing you back um, to a place in your life where something did happen. Um, If that is the case, reach out. Reach out to me via, you know, social media, like privately, obviously. Um, You know, get in contact with your local DA agency. If anything that I'm saying where it's kind of going, oh my God, that happened to me. You know, you do not have to suffer in silence. You know, we need to we need to talk about this. Um, and I think that it's important to point out that if any of those behaviours, if you see those behaviours, if you're experiencing those behaviours, then you then you need to, um, uh, like I said, reach out. But if you're a friend of somebody, you know, I think, I think that as a friend, um, now... And I'm I'm just trying to words work out how to word this because as a friend, you obviously don't want to see your friend go through things that are hard. If somebody is in a domestic abuse relationship where there is this power and control, actually having those conversations may be very difficult. Like, you know, because the perpetrator may very well be using isolation as as a as a form of maintaining that power and control. If you are able to have those conversations, I think it's I think we need to in a non-judgmental, non-criticizing way of, you know, using it as a third party almost, of going, hey, like my friend told me this, what do you think of this? To make somebody think in a different way, you know, so you don't even have to necessarily go, like, if this is happening to you, this is bad. You can almost kind of use it as a third party and kind of go, like, my friend told me this, you know, or this has happened to me, what do you think within this? Um, I think that, you know, letting people know what the red flags are and the warning signs and telling somebody um, whether they're the one that that um, are experiencing or whether you need to confide in your friend about what's been happening to you, then that's OK. Um, but also, you know, being mindful that actually that person may not be the best person to be speaking to. Um, and I think that if you feel able to, um, if you feel confident enough to be able to speak to the experts and organisations who are who are um, trained in being able to deal with those situations. Um, I think that, you know, the key to stopping reproductive coercion is about having these really frank conversations and discussions. Um, So I do hope that you have been able to listen to this podcast. Um, And I think that we need to have much more comprehensive education about the issue, be that going into schools when we're talking about consent to your 16 pluses, um, be that um, in your PSHE lessons, be that in college, um, be that in uni, I think that we need to have much more comprehensive education about uh, not only unprotected sex, but actually what does 
reproductive coercion look like in relationships? Um, uh, you know, what is a healthy relationship and what is a healthy sexual relationship versus an unhealthy, toxic, abusive relationship and a very unhealthy sexual relationship? What is acceptable behaviour and what is not acceptable behaviour? What and how we normalise coercive behaviour. Um, all of that needs to be at the forefront and in our understanding in raising awareness. And from a very young age, I already mentioned that, you know, children are, you know, subjected to sexual images much, much earlier. You know, it's easily accessible to um for for young people to be able to access pornography you know pornography is um uh, probably a podcast I'll go much in much more detail into um but pornography is quite it can be very extreme um there can be very extreme behavior in pornography and if your young person has just stumbled across something that they think is in inverted commas normal where they're seeing behaviors of stealthing um for example um then we need to call that out um and being able to call that out with actually what is the alternative this is not okay. Um, so, so you know, if you feel, if you're in the UK, that anything that I've said to you is um, an issue, you can contact the Domestic Abuse National Helpline. The number is at the beginning of the podcast. That is open 24 hours a day. You've also got charities such as... Um, Refuge, Women's Aids, Karma Nirvana, they all offer advice and resources to those that are suffering and need to know more. Um, I, It's great to see that there are a number of pharmacies that are acting as safe spaces. And so those safe spaces are a place where you can talk to someone um, uh, in confidence about what is going on if you don't feel confident or safe talking about it to other people. Um, so, so once you're aware that there may be an issue, um, and once organisations are aware, then it's much much easier for for people to help you. Um, you know, we these dedicated charities, you know, can help you get out of really difficult situations um able to kind of safety plan around your abusive relationships um or or if you're having difficulties within your family memberships so we can we can help you regain some control again um to help you on the journey of recovering from any reproductive healthcare um, that you may have had and and to be able to um, live um, a life that is f- uh, free of somebody else making choices for you. Um, I know that this has been long. Um, this is the longest one, but I think that it's been important for the episode 
to really explore um, a subject that is very, it can be very dangerous, but is not often talked about. And you've just listened to this week's episode. I hope that you've enjoyed the conversation this week. Feel free to like, share, subscribe so you don't miss out. And I'll see you next time.